What is the biggest problem affecting your PDR business? What is the one thing holding you back from taking the next step? What do you need to change to get the business growth you want? All these questions have the same answer. It's your mindset. My name is Corey Kleinfeld, and this is the PDR Coach Podcast, where I coach you on mindset around yourself and your PDR business. Now let's get started. Okay, real quick before we get started, you guys have probably heard that intro a bunch of times over the last year or so that I've put out podcasts. Um, that me asking those questions and saying the answer to them is mindset. And now I have a couple options to help you with that. Um, I'm mostly focusing on the newer techs now to help bring them up into the industry and help them get further faster. First option I have is the PDR Launchpad, and that's for techs uh, between zero and two years in business. Uh, it's an eight-week program to help you launch your business into success. The second option that I have is the Young Guns PDR 20 group. That's for techs up to five years in business, zero to five years in business. I'm partnered up with Gene Fetty on that. And that is a mastermind group that runs for a year to help you get your business further faster. So uh, if you want to know when these signups are open for that, then go to my website at coachcoreyk.com and enter in your email address. You'll be in my email list. And when I open, when I open enrollment for either of those programs, you will know. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to the PDR Coach Podcast. Today on the podcast, uh, we have Kip Brooks. Kip Brooks was slash kind of still is if the right person calls Hail Tech, right? Is that fair to say? Um, but I think he would define himself more, uh, define himself now more as a coach. Uh, so if you've been around the PDR space long enough, then you probably know his name. Um, Years ago, he was on the PDR College podcast, has been involved, been around MTE, been a hail tech, knows a lot of people. Um, so a PDR tech turned coach is obviously someone who has to come on the PDR Coach podcast, obviously. And uh, so I'm excited to have him here. Uh, we just met for the first time, I think last week or maybe the week before, but very recently we've had one conversation and we're coming on to have this conversation. So there's the intro. Welcome to the show, Kip. Oh man, appreciate you for bringing me on and uh, still a little upset with Jack Bucknell for not making the uh, intro sooner, but um, we were a little hard on him. We were a little hard on him. <laughs> yeah, we were. We'll, we'll, we'll buy him a cookie next time I see him on the road or so. <laughs> oh, that is funny. Yeah. So the, the thing, the story there is um, I, you basically reached out to me on a Facebook post or a story, Instagram story or whatever that I made. And you were like, you're a PDR coach. Like what that, what is this? And you're like, I'm, here's my situation, Brooks empowerment Academy, et cetera. And I'm like, like, how have I not heard about you? Like I knew your name. Cause I've heard Kip Brooks. I'm like, why do I know this PDR college days, et cetera. And you're like, yeah, I know people like Jack Bucknell and all these. I'm like, dude, I'm in mastermind groups with these guys. I've had Jack Bucknell on the podcast. I've seen him in a mastermind group in person, all this stuff. And he never, he never mentioned, Hey, uh, there's this guy that I know that was a PDR tech and he's a coach now. Maybe you should connect with him. <laughs> Like, well, that's exactly what I would want. Um, and so we gave him some shit for it, but he'll be, he'll recover. Um, yeah, he's got thick skin. <laughs> taught him some techniques to not let it get to him. He'll be right. <laughs> so how I start every podcast, we'll go way back in the beginning of your journey. Um, how did you find the weird little niche of, of PDR? You know, originally I was 17. I was working at a body shop and that's when I first heard about it. And the body shop owner came to me and asked me if, I was interested in learning this and, you know, I was eager. I was hungry, wanted to prove myself. I was like, I would learn anything anybody wanted to teach me. And 
went through all the stuff, you know, the, the testing for the facility and everything to get accepted in and, uh, and passed everything. And then like two days before I was supposed to start training, he backed out of it because all the technicians in the shop, all the body men, they told him, oh, man, that's just a flash in the pan. That's a bunch of crap. You know, you can still see it when they're done, you know, nitpicked to <laughs> death. And he yanked it right out from under me. I was like, man. What year, what year was this? Okay. That was, uh, that was like 96, I think okay. 97. And then, um, yeah, 96, 95 or 96 actually. Okay. And, um, but I, so I ended up staying in body shops, you know, worked my way up to management at one point. And, you know, I worked the back of the shop. I was detailing cars at that point. And then, uh, but yeah, I worked my way up um, and uh, you shot or body man helper, painters helper. And then mm-hmm. like I said, got in the front of the house and because I just had a knack with uh, connecting with people. And mm-hmm. so uh, all the guys in the back of the shop were like, man, you need to be up front, yeah. dude getting these people in because you know enough about the back of the house that you won't overpromise stuff but also you're really good at you know just attracting people in yeah talking yeah and i'm so glad they talked me into it because there for a couple of years i really regretted that i miss being in the shop being able to leave at like three four and five <laughs> in the afternoon instead of staying till seven or eight doing paperwork yeah but um after a couple of years all of a sudden i'm i'm i was at a uh the last body shop I ever worked and we had a hailstorm blow in and in one year and it was it was on mother's day and i remember the uh our dent guy calling me up and he's like dude you're about to make a lot of money and see something you've never seen before and um i i handled all the pretty much all the hell claims learned how to estimate um estimate the cars the right way or you know at least how we were doing them then you yeah, know yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was over 15 years ago we were missing all kinds of stuff <laughs> but uh but then i started hanging out the uh the hell tech that came into town the manager of the shop did not want him or anyone. He wouldn't allow most employees to be there outside of normal hours. And our health tech was like, man, if I can only work a 40 hour a week job, I'll go home and work at McDonald's. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm in town. I need to, you know, I need to make it worthwhile. And I was like, you know, I've already, I've always got paperwork I can catch up on, especially during that storm. It's like, I was swamped. I was like, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll stay, uh, couple hours in the evening and um and then come in on weekends with you here and there and and he's like yeah if you'll do that man i'll I'll pay you some extra money and then Mm -hmm. um he would start having me qc his cars and he said dude you you've got an eye for this he's like you ever thought about training man it's been in the back of my mind for like 10 years and (laughs) it just kept getting distracted other places and uh he said well i'll tell you what it's like i'll either um he's like well i know the local guy actually mentioned to me he wanted to bring you on and train you and He's like, I'll, I'll start your training as payment for hanging out with me and let me work at these extra hours. And I was like, deal, jumped all over it That's awesome. and started, uh, by the time he left that storm, I had like over a dozen hoods, eight or 10 deck lids and a couple of fenders in my garage at home with some saw horses, everything strapped down, had a couple of starter tools and a makeshift light. And I was just practicing, um, in the evening from like six until 10 11 at night and then on saturdays and sundays mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. four to eight hours a day on weekends just trying to get it and um luckily i, I wasn't smart enough to realize i'm not going to be that great of a tech <laughs> just kept going with it and yeah finally uh finally figured it out enough to be able to say all right and you know jump ship but i actually jumped ship probably way early um but that's kind of how i 
do things. I see a goal and I just go all after and it's like, I get tunnel vision, can't see anything else. And so when was the training? Oh, six. That was, um, Oh, seven. Uh, yeah. Oh, five or Oh, six. Um, gotcha. Okay. So that was, yeah. yeah actually, 96. You wanted to train and they were like, the guys are like PDR is fake. And then 10 years later, it's a long time. 10 years yeah. later, you actually get trained. That was Oh, six Oh, seven. That was 15 years ago. Um, and then you got, I mean, you eventually got good enough, whether you think you're the best or not. Yeah. Well, you got good enough to make, make money and fix hail cars and run some pretty good storms. So, um, talk about just kind of fast forward, like try to sum up 10 years of hail chasing, I guess, but you get good. Oh, six, oh, seven. Where do you go for your first storm? How do you, you know, meet some of the industry leaders like PDR college guys and, and get involved in that? How does, how does that happen? Yeah. In the beginning, you know, Facebook was non-existent back then. So it was, it was a different game. So, you know, I really didn't know anybody. And of course, anybody knew me, knew I was still training, knew I wasn't good. Yeah. So, uh, but one thing I always had was just a work ethic and <clears throat> willingness to just do what it took to get where I wanted to be. So I would hit up the, uh, the guy who started my training and, you know, I, uh, I went around my local area and I would offer out doing work for local guys. And it's like, man, if you just give me a test run and just help me out, I was like, I'll do it for free. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, just, I got to keep improving my skills. Yeah. And I knew working at home in my garage in a controlled environment, it's like, I can only get so good at, you know, theory. It's like, I need to be out in the real world. 100%. And then I was on the, I was on a call with the, the guy who started my training and he said, man, I'll tell you what, I'll, um, he said, you come up, handle my estimates, handle my paperwork and do my R and I. And then when you're not doing that, I'll let you push. He said, but we got to keep it hidden because these other guys on the storm won't allow it. They'll get you kicked out. And, um, of course I found out later, he was just saying that to manipulate me. So I'd be his slave. During the day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was grinding, working, you know, around the clock and like hiding out, pushing, but finally, you know, they got me, uh, that got me to know all ends of the storm well enough to where I could add enough value to where, you know, I could call somebody up. It's like, Hey, I'm not the best tech dude, but what I can do, I can do good enough. I'll always pass QC, but I'll also bring all this other value to the Mm -hmm. table. And I will, Mm -hmm. I'm willing to do what it takes. And that got a lot of guys to really appreciate and respect like where my mindset was and my heart and everything else. And I had some really phenomenal guys take me in under the wing. And then when Facebook came out, you know, and started getting popular as a way to network in the industry, started connecting with guys, you know, like, you know, the, the Gene Fettys and the Dave Streams and, um, you know, Ryan Hampton and um, uh, you know, so many other guys um, and, uh, you know, the ACR crew, Dave and Robert uh, Castillo and all those and just picking up every little ounce I could along the way. And then, um, and then actually started getting to the point where I could actually hang on a storm and do, yeah. and do well. And then, um, and then made numbers beyond anything I ever believed was possible for someone like me. And then, um, but I was able to take, you know, at, at that time I knew the inner workings of the body shop. I knew the tricks that the insurance company um, needed to see. It's like, if I write yep, an estimate yep. this way, they're not going to question it as much. You know, I'd, from running the road estimates from I knew it. companies. Yeah. yeah. And I made friends with so many guys that it's like, I went back to my notes and started looking <laughs> and, and it really helped me excel at it. Um, yeah, it was. So, the, so that's, that's the, that's the hail journey. I mean, heart, heart work ethic, 
I mean, how many times in there did you say that in different ways you were doing one job and then working another job at the same time? Right? Oh yeah, constantly. That's, that's what it, it takes. Habit for me because I had to do it for so long just to get a spot on a storm. Yeah. And you know, there'd be several times where I was I was giving a shot, and the guys would be like, "All right, man, I'm going to give you a shot, but if you fall behind on these tasks, you're not only off the car, you're off the storm." And it's yeah. like all right so i'd be working at like midnight two o'clock in the morning actually doing my pushing because all day i was busy doing everybody yep. else's paperwork or whatever yep. and but um that's what it takes i'm really pretty i'm really grateful for as much as it sucked i'm really grateful for it because it taught me like what's really possible when you got your mind right mm-hmm. like the body will keep up it's like you get your mind strong um yeah. and that's what you know sort of lead me into the coaching and stuff. Yeah, like that's that. the next but, question. I mean, when does that come? So we got like 96 to, to, you know, probably 2015 or so when you're, when did you stop pushing hail? Really? Yeah, um, fully uh, stop chasing fully. I guess it was, um, I started going into kind of part-time chasing and I think 16. Okay. So that's like, we covered 20 years in 20 yeah, minutes. 15 so to 16. <laughs> actually, yeah, 15. Because 14 was my my best year ever. Yeah. I actually uh, did far beyond. I, I was just done. It was like 386K in six yeah. months. Yeah. And after that, I was also kind of spent. <laughs> and then yeah, that, that was to be the year I retired, but uh, divorce kind of changed that. And, but 15, 16, 17, I started looking at it. I was like, my heart's not in this the same way it used to be. And, and I had found, I'd been, I'd had people reach out to me for, you know, um, coaching sessions or whatever, like in the industry or me. outside of the industry, a little bit inside the industry. And then from outside the industry, coach, coach, like mostly. you being their coach. Yeah. Okay. Um, can I stop you real quick? Why? Like, why did they, people start seeing, uh, just my results, uh, yeah. not just financially, not just in the hill industry, but just in my life in general. And, um, you know, I was, I was suicidal at, eight years old and all through my teenage years. Mm. So for a long time, I never believed I could do much. And that was my biggest problem in the first couple of years of the industry. I convinced myself that it's like, Oh, I'm just not a good enough tech. It's got nothing to do with it. Look how many hacks are in this business who can't fix a dime sized dent. That uh, makes six figures. A lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's the mindset, it's the belief system. And once I started cracking that open in myself, that's when things started changing. And then ironically enough, once I believed I could make more and, um, and do more in the industry, it's like my skills actually started catching up, you know, the hard skills because my mindset had changed. And I, I removed that block that I could only make. So man, I'm never going to make more than like 40, 50 grand a year. And That's then I was yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, people started reaching out to me saying, man, whatever you're doing, uh, I want to learn more about it. And, you know, so sometimes it'd be a quick little, uh, couple hour call or something here and there. And then, uh, and then other people are like, no, nah, I want to keep you on retainer. I want to work with you for a couple months. And, um, yeah, I helped somebody build a nonprofit. I know nothing about any of that, but it was mm-hmm. all the mindset that you can mm-hmm. do it. And that's when I really figured out what I was supposed to be doing, you know? Yeah. So when people cut, basically people, were asking you to do it and you were like, I love this stuff. <clears throat> kind of realized I don't love the PDR as much as you used to. And that kind of drew you in that direction. Very similar to my story as people would ask me all the time. And I'm like, I really enjoy having these conversations more than I do on physically pushing dents, which isn't the yeah. case for most people in this industry. Most people really love being the technician first, 
which is oh, awesome. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, I wish I could I just love watching them. Dance. You know, it's it's like watching yeah, it's like watching Michelangelo or yeah. Da Vinci or something. Like mm-hmm. when you see somebody doing what they love, it's it's amazing to see. And I was, yeah. and that's what started waking me up to it as I would watch guys and I'm like, man, I'm in it and I'm giving it what I've got. But it's like there's a different connection this guy has than me. And yeah. I'm holding up somebody else's spot mm-hmm. who would have that same connection. But also it's like, I've got that connection somewhere else yep. and I need to find it Sure, because I feel like that's, that would fix all the world's problems if we were all in our zone of genius and yes, luckily hard to from, do, but I, I agree with you. Yeah. Once we wake up to it. And, yeah. Um, and luckily say being pushed into all those gigs as being the lowest man on the totem pole where they would have me handling the front of the house and everything else um, that helped me discover it. It's like, my spots with connecting people and, you know, working with people and all of that. So, uh, which is ironic because when I became a tech, I wanted to get away from that as much as possible and hide in the back and just push. <laughs> That's, what you, front. That's yeah, what you thought. That's what you thought. It's funny how life works. It, it really is. So how does that, um, you mentioned a few things in there, the, the divorce, we're going to come back to that for sure. Um, just because for me, I see, um, well, divorce in general, what is it? 50%? I don't know. It's a big number. Um, but I think hail guys and divorce, um, is, is a real, is a real thing. Um, that oh, happens. Yeah, and so I'd love to, I'd love to hear about that in a minute, but, um, so when, so we covered 20 years, like probably in like 20, 25 minutes of, of, you know, 96 to 06 or 96 to 16, um, your PDR journey and body shop journey. When, when does the, coaching comes in 15, 16, what's the first step you take in that? And if you could try to think in the mindset of like, there's a lot of guys in the PDR industry, or there's a lot of guys actually that listen that are in body shops now that want to be in the PDR industry. So how do you currently do a job and then also make something else happen at the same time? Like you go from body shop to PDR tech and you go from PDR tech to coach. How do you, how do you do that? Like, how do you start? (laughs) Yeah, that was a, That was tricky for me because I was trying to take coaching calls in the middle of the day while I'm at a shop. And, you know, I'm trying to, then my first client ever, she was building a nonprofit and she ran her own retail business, a clothing store. And so I was helping her with that as well as helping her build up the nonprofit. And and I'm trying to, you know, be all professional and everything else. I've got jackhammers over there you know, <laughs> or uh, air chisels and then guys coming up to, Hey, what about the, the Smith file? And it's like, man, what is this? But um, so I, I made a lot of mistakes, but um, what I would, I started figuring out and really it's the same thing that helped me get really profitable at, um, at pushing and on a hell gig and being way more efficient than most guys was I was figuring out, it's like, where am I wasting seconds? It's like, where can I steal seconds back? So when I was trying to line up coaching calls, it's like, okay, well, if I come in at this time and I push and I'm efficient all the way to here, it's like, I can, if I need to take a call in the middle of the day or whatever, it's like, I can bolt back to the hotel or back to the Airbnb or whatever, get set up and do it there or do the call in the morning or whatever. And it's like mm-hmm. looking for areas where it's like, where am I wasting time? that I could apply to building something for myself mm-hmm. instead of, you know, build, using all my time to build everybody else's stuff and then yep. using my personal time to just <laughs> relax. And, um, cause we're way more, we're way more productive than, uh, or have the potential to be way more productive than we realize. 
And, you know, some I noticed, especially in the, um, a lot of people switching to any kind of commission or production based job, like they, they work it like a salary employee or whatever. And it's like, oh man, get in it. Like it became a challenge to me to see if, like, can I make in an hour today what I, you know, made all last week or, you know, yeah, whatever. It's yeah. like pushing myself. And when I started having those days where I was, you know, making, uh, I remember the first time I made 500 bucks in a day on our, uh, I was helping a friend on a route. Like, that's I like, insane. I remember when I used to make that in like three yeah. weeks, man, <laughs> you know, I was on fire. And it's like, all right, what can I do next time? What can mm-hmm. I do next time? And, and now it's per hour that. And, you know, when I was glue pulling a rail, it's like, I keep my tabs like right there. It was like, instead of having to go from a cart back and forth, it's like sure. I figured out a setup where everything was right there and I didn't have to waste time reaching back and forth. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that with just my normal day. It's like, okay, um, where am I li- really wasting time? Where am I spending too much time thinking about a gig or doing, you know, lollygagging on paperwork or whatever. It's like, I need to get it fixed. Or letting like the fear of something or like the resistance yeah. to something make it take longer to do, right? Yeah. Um, that's that's a one way area of people, ton of people waste time, whether they're building their own PDR okay. business or whatever. They're like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go sell to this place. I'm going to do this advertisement. I'm going to do this thing. And they let this little bit of resistance just prolong the entire process yeah. or even decisions, like resistance on decisions. Like as I have people sign up for my coaching program, they can spend, decisions really take like this long to make. It's like, okay, yes or no. That's how long it takes. It's all the emotion and all of the fear and, and all that stuff around it that makes us feel like decisions are actually really hard to make. Um, yeah, and so, so the same thing. Procrastination is yeah. indecisiveness and it's all just emotion. It's all our yeah. mental muck. Yeah. And it it's is. like, you know, if you have enough data, there's no decision to make anyway, because it's the proof is obvious. It's, it's like, so done, yeah. if you've already lined it up and just, you know, one yeah. of my favorite quotes that actually kept me going during it was, uh, I had heard, um, I don't even remember who I heard say it first. I've heard yeah, so many 20 people, <laughs> people say it since, but um, it's like, you know, when the why is big enough, the how and what don't even matter. It's like, yeah. um, you just got to keep that fuel and that passion. And, um, and I noticed, even though I was like doing way more throughout the day, I felt so much more energized at the end of the day because I knew part, I knew why I was putting in the time. And yes. also I could start to see you know, the, um, the fruits of the labor, so to speak, coming together for, you know, something bigger. And it made me, it actually helped fire up uh, my passion for PDR again, because it's like, yeah, this is why I've been doing it. This, it brought the opportunity. It brought yes. the, yes. the, um, the networking, it brought the knowledge. It gave me my own personal experiences mm-hmm. and, you know, created my own lab to use myself as a guinea pig. And then um, that's and exactly the financial exactly gifts the to, to be able to go to the trainings and all of that. And, yeah, it, was, awesome. it really uh, got me excited again, just about life in general. When you're, I was trying to picture you like at a body shop, you know, like you said, taking calls in the corner, trying to be quiet or whatever. Um, did you tell other people what you were doing? Like, oh, I'm coaching this person on how to do this. Or did you try to hide that? Just I, I hid it for a yeah. while. Man. Why? That was, that was, well, I had a whole lot of different ex- stories then, but what it was and I knew it at the time was I didn't feel worthy of anything else yeah I'd always see myself as um just you I've got that whole grind mentality and actually that that limited self-worth I had is what Mm -hmm. made me work so hard to prove myself to others like man I'll do everything and push you know Mm -hmm. it was it wasn't I dressed it up as to myself and the world as I'm just 
it's what you do to get your spot, you know, or whatever. But it was like, I don't feel valuable. It was deeper than I am. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I've got to do more than everybody else to be just as worthy as everybody else. And it was kind of that, man. I was embarrassed. That's a real thing though, dude. Like there's guys. Oh yeah. I did a launch pad call. I'm currently in, in a period of doing PR launch pad and um, there's guys in there that, um, and other guys that I've talked to, I don't want to call them out specifically, but the feeling, I guess worthy is a good word, but feeling like, yeah, you're worthy enough to make that much money. I mean, there's a lot of people that think like they're not worthy enough to be able to make a hundred thousand or $200,000 in a year. That's just not who they are. That's not where they came from. That's not whatever the story is that you tell yourself. And, and you said it before, and people who listen to my podcast know that the belief has to come first. You're never gonna, you're never going to make that much money or do that thing you want to do until you believe that you're capable of doing that or until you believe that it's possible for you. And then all of a sudden it becomes possible to do, which is interesting. Um, but that's the hardest part is believing that, that you're capable. So interesting that you said that, um, even though you push yourself to become a great PDR tech and make a lot of money doing the next thing, you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm now I'm worthy for this, but now I'm not worthy for, for this helping <laughs> yeah. people, right? We all do that constantly throughout. Oh, yeah. Every time we're getting to the edge of our comfort zone, it's yeah. going to come back up. And- yeah. Like, and that could come in the form of like, you know, who the hell am I to, to do this? Yeah. Who the hell am I yeah. to charge as much money for a car? Who the hell am I to coach somebody? Who the hell am I to build a business when my family is, no one's ever even gone to college, whatever it is, it could come in all these different forms, but it's the same, it's the same thing. Um, yeah, it's, you know, every time I've coached him and I actually train and mentor coaches now and like specific mm. mindset and release yeah. techniques and things. And, uh, it's funny, like working with coaches, working with PDR guys, working with someone starting a nonprofit mm-hmm. or building, you know, um, uh, someone else who owns, uh, like 10 mortgage companies throughout the uh, East coast mm-hmm. and all of them, it's the same thing. It's just, it's a form of imposter syndrome. Yeah. We all have it. And it, you know, whether you call it self-worth or procrastination or whatever it is, yeah, imposter like, syndrome, that's really good way. it comes down to that. It's, and it's that, who am I to do this? And yeah. it's like, you are exactly the yeah. person who needs to be there. Uh, it's like, even if there's a million other people, doing it it's like they're not going to do it your way and i really believe you know i had a mentor tell me i think in like 2011 or 12 it's like you wouldn't have the desire for something if you were if you didn't have the what it was necessary to do it yeah i I believe that man but then yeah like that makes no sense to me i was like get out of here and uh but then i started like buying into it and i was like yeah, why would it's a frequency thing? You know, it's yeah, like yeah. we're we can only really tune into the things that we have something there. There's something there that we can add, mm-hmm. and it's like once you take ownership of that and really connect with it and have rapport with it, it's man, the yeah. rest just kind of happens, you know. And, yeah, and the idea, know, like I feel cool. like another way to put it would be um, the idea. The idea comes to you, like the ability for you to to think of the new idea that hasn't been done before or to think of the new thing that you've never done before comes to you because it's something you're supposed to do. Sometimes I feel that way. Like when you have those ideas, I'm like, okay, this is the direction I'm supposed to go now. And we, we fight that. 
I fought it. You've done it. Everybody does it out there. They're like, I feel like I'm supposed to do PDR. They really do. It took you 10 years, right? You felt like that in 96. And then all the other people, whether that could be the, your coworkers, your parents, your significant other, your whatever, be like, dude, this, that's fake PDR shit. Don't even do that. But you're like, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. You know, like you were supposed to at that time. Um, so you can't let all these other people and all these detractors hold you back and keep you in that limited space that you want to be just because they are, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, doesn't mean you shouldn't go do that thing, but it's hard and it's yeah. scary and it's imposter syndrome and all those things, but doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Yeah. And one thing I realized when I was like really trying to get myself to you know, buy into that whole idea of mm-hmm. if you've got the desire, there's a reason for it and you're supposed to check it out. And yeah is I finally realized, I was like, you know, there's a whole lot of things that pop up and we, we find ourselves saying like, I just can't even resonate with that. I, I can't even wrap my head around why someone would do that, you know, like climb Everest or, you know, cause it's like, that's not fun at all. And it's yeah. like, or, you know, not to go dark, but it's like, you know, abuse a child or, or, you know, go vegan or whatever it is. <laughs> we, it makes sense to us there. Why does yeah. it not make sense the other way? But yeah. you know, we're, uh, we're naturally negative creatures because it's a survival thing. So yeah. it's like, just, just think about it for a little bit. If you automatically know exactly what you're not supposed to be doing yeah. and what you're not put on this planet for, it's like, so when you get this, you know, this pool somewhere else, look into it. Yeah. And it may not be exactly like, you know, people are drawn to sports and then realize they suck at it, but they're really good at coaching exactly. or they're really good at managing or whatever. It's like, it's information. It's not exactly. Or, or there, or there, yeah, it can come in all different forms. It doesn't have to be a big thing or success in yeah. like massive yeah. success in life. You were, you love sports, but you realize that, um, and you love kids and you realize you want to be like a, a high school coach or you have kids and you coach all their sporting events or whatever. It doesn't have to turn into like this big successful thing or whatever. You just got to pay attention to those thoughts and, and really just try to, try to let them show you (laughs) like what, what you can, what you're, what you're meant to do or what you're supposed to do. And that like, same thing for both of us with being in PDR and then getting pulled in the coaching direction is that like people, people were telling us that like, sometimes the people, like sometimes it's right in front of your face. Right. (laughs) And the funny thing is, this is the, like, it's almost a stupid story to tell, but like, I knew I wanted to be a coach and a business coach. And I, and I literally, I had a coach at the time and I was like discussing what to do. And I was working on my PDR business as well through my coach, business coach. And, and then I wanted to become a coach too. And we we're working on that. And I, I, I literally didn't know what I wanted to coach in. I, I don't know. I feel like I, I love talking to people, helping blah, blah, blah. And he's like, are there any coaches in PDR? And I'm like, no. And he's like, why aren't you a PDR coach? I'm like, I don't know, <laughs> but that's what I need to do. It's funny. Like it's right in front of your face sometimes, literally right there. And you're like, pay attention. Yeah. You know, pretty funny. Yeah. And but, so is um, our nose, but our eyes block it out, right? Yeah, so we actually true. think about it. And it's, and it's the same thing. Then you can it's look like, at it. Yeah, the most obvious stuff is what we're looking right past yeah. so many times. Um, so go back a little bit. I think this is just something we should talk about because I think it's important. Um, you were a hail guy and you got divorced. Um, I think it's a real... Uh, risk to hail is that fair to say a risk or or a possibility on hail so can you just talk about that um if you don't mind sharing i guess maybe what happened um maybe something you could have done different maybe your perspective on it now i don't know yeah um yeah you know with um with any business especially in entrepreneurship 
But um, if you got a crazy work ethic and trying to be successful at uh, any business, your relationships can take a take a toll. And then you add and. the hell the end of traveling and all of that. It's like, man, that just ups it, right? Because yep. then it's like all the lonely nights for weeks and months at a time. And I, I would get obsessed with you know because I had a lot of lean years in the in the industry. And that drove me to where, you know, I thought it was an abundance mindset of like, oh no, I'm just, I'm breaking personal records and I'm, you know, um, making 50 grand more than I did last year and, you know, 100 grand more than the year before that. And it's like, oh yeah, and I'm providing for my family. And I got all caught up in that. And especially for men, you know, the the masculine is automatically like results oriented. And once we go, it's easy to get tunnel vision. And, um, and so for me, like say, I, I wrote it off as like more of an abundance mindset. I was driven because um, my kid's mom and I, we had laid out this idea of where we wanted to go in life. And I was, uh, I was planning on retiring from the PDR industry rather early. And so I was just grinding it out. But what I didn't realize is I was actually coming from a scarcity-based mindset of because all those lean years and starving and when I couldn't afford to buy my kid diapers and turn on the heat, you know, and it was like out of that fear and it kept me from not even just coming home on a regular basis. Like I know Dave Strain is real big on telling guys every other weekend, man, get home. Every two to three weekends, get home. And uh, I was like, that's asinine, dude. What do you nuts? You know how much money I can make? In- <laughs> yeah, like, oh, man, I'm making like four grand a day on a storm, you know, or whatever it is, and or even two grand or whatever, but it's like, I'm going to spend 1500 bucks to get home and, and not get five grand in the weekend at work or whatever. And I wasn't going home every two to three months. I was on the road at one point, I think uh, just over three months before finally she brought the kids out to come see me. And even then I was still working on stop. Still didn't see it. Yeah. And, but I was able to, pack it inside and be like, I'm taking care of my family. And it's like, not exactly. Yeah. There's something, uh, there's something else in there. And, um, but it's, it's really easy to happen, especially in the hell world. And luckily, you know, there's enough, um, cause you know, the business definitely has its cutthroat section. And that was part of it too, is I was terrified. The, the guy that brought me into it used to tell me, he's like, Oh, if you take a day off, dude, you're losing a game. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're out, you know? And, so I had all this false belief in my head anyway. And just, and again, my, my imposter syndrome kicking in of like, oh, I've got to outdo everybody else. I've got to outwork everybody else. Cause I'm not as good as they yeah, are. Anyway, yeah, yeah. And so, um, so I use all that fear and lack mentality to, uh, to keep me locked in. And I was always the first one in last one out and, um, and working seven days a week for months at a time, a lot of times. And, but I was able to puff my chest out and hold my head up because it was like, I'm giving my family the life I didn't have given them. And I thought I was giving them the life they wanted. I was giving them the life I wanted. And uh, so that was a big factor in it too. But, um, but communication just completely broke down because um, like, I wouldn't even get on the phone. I was like, no, if I'm on the phone, I'm my, my attention is distracted. So I got to keep pushing. And so it was all text messages for days at a time. And and there were, there were plenty of other things. Like in a lot of ways, the hell industry actually kept us together longer because we were so distracted from so many other issues mm-hmm. in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I would come back, it was all fun and play. It was like vacation whenever I was around. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so that was, 
keeping us from actually talking about the issues. So that's the <clears> biggest <throat> thing I would say is, you know, we get jammed up um, on a gig and you're working hard, but set at least one day a week while you're on the road to actually have like a good conversation with everybody in your family, but especially, you know, your, your spouse, your partner. Um, Kids if you got them, man. Yeah, and, and connect in that way the best you way you can. And then take like Dave's trains and a lot of other guys' advice. And it's like, get home every couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, you need it for you mm-hmm. uh, and your family needs it. And, you know, that'll, uh, and if you can, if you're blessed enough to be able to travel with them on the road, man, do it. Best year I ever had was 2012. I, and it was one of the worst years financially on a hell trail for me. Um, but it was the greatest year because that was after my youngest was born and they all came out on the road with me for like five or six months of it. Mm-hmm. And I have the best memories because I was taking off weekends and hanging with them. And yeah, uh, for yeah sure. it was the best time. <clears throat> so I can, I mean, I've never, I've never been hail. I've never left for months at a time, but um, I can definitely, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I have a great route, so it, it definitely helps. Um, but uh, I, there have been periods of my life where I would, you know, leave for work at five 30 in the morning and get home at nine o'clock at night when I was building my PDR business, when I was, or helping my dad build our business and working a lot and trying to build dollars and create this life that we said we wanted and all that stuff. Um, and so there'd be times where I put a, and, or, and even now, sometimes there's like, I'll do, I'll work my eight to five or whatever ish. And then I'll at nighttime, I'll work more or whatever. And really what it came down to, if I had to sum up like all my wife and I are probably over communicators to a point where we talk a, a lot and say hard stuff before it be, turns into yeah. a big thing and stuff like that. And really what mm-hmm. it comes down to is like, she's like, I see, she's like, she sees my passion for work. And a lot of guys have this for, for, PDR for the business and for all that. And she's like, I just want to see that passion uh, in my in family, in kids, in, in with me. Like, that's what yeah. she wants to see. Like, yeah. put as much effort into relationship as you do into your work. Not necessarily time, because that's not going to happen. Most of us to live a life that we want are going to yeah. work eight to 10 hours a day and be home with the kids for two, right? Or three. Yeah. yeah. But like, when I'm at work, like you said, I'm trying to find like, a second that I can like, if I carry my tapper in my pocket, it'll save me this. If I get like, <laughs> like literally I'm always trying to find this like little bit better thing. Right. And then when I get home, it's like, I'm distracted. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to play with my kids, but I'll look at my phone and I'll watch the baseball yeah. game and I'll do all this. But like, she just wanted me to like, when I'm home to put as much passion into the kids or into our relationship, when I'm on a date with her into our relationship, like while I'm there, be fully present and put as yeah, much actually, as I can to that. Yeah. That's what, that's no, how I define it. So if you're going to, if you're going to be out there working set for six days and, you know, and pushing 17 hours a day, when you go home, don't spend one hour with them and then be on your phone. Right. Yeah, Cause then it yeah. just shows work is more important. Yeah. It's like, you can really give your partner like literally five minutes a day. Yeah. Full actual work a hundred hours a week, but yeah. just give a hundred percent in that five minute. It's yeah. like it's not that hard, and the world's not going to fall apart. Right, and because uh, especially too, you know, with um, especially talking about you know being a man and and having a wife at home or you know girlfriend, yeah. whatever it is, um, the whole masculine feminine thing is like uh, feminine really needs safety, security, and certainty yeah. 
so many times that's what it is. It's like, oh, he's too connected to work. It's going to leave. And it's an unconscious thing. But um, it's ever since you know, humankind walked the earth, it's been a thing. It's like mm-hmm. when we're the provider and protector. So, you know, in our mind, it's like, I'm doing all this. I've got this drive because the family means so much. And my passion How, for my family keeps me driving. Every single person listening has said that to their Wife. exactly I'm, and it's like can yeah, almost guarantee it. it dudes we get it and like <laughs> do you know why i'm working this hard <laughs> yeah, it's like, that has fueled so many fights so many Gosh, times dang, dude. because yeah it's like that's all she needs is to understand mm. her place in it and uh because and you know I, I saw a lot of guys on the road who were on the road because they were hiding from their family yeah and oh, yeah. Um, but i would see so many guys that were actually like i've seen guys go in the corner of the shop and just kind of break down because they're missing their kids ball game or whatever. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. man, when you get home, you go and play catch with the kid for five minutes. It's like, yeah. it'll totally make up for it. Like in the kid's mind. And, and also it just makes you feel better. But yeah, we, we, we numb out when we're there. Cause also, you know, we're trying to come down from a hard day at work running around or yeah. whatever it is. And I mean, it's, but, it, be the, but be there though, if we could go deeper too, like when you're looking at a dent, you're like, I can't be on the phone because I'll lose my, yeah. I'll lose my focus, like eye contact with the dent, all that stuff. Like when you get home with the kids, like if you're gonna play catch with them for 10 minutes, like make it, make it awesome. Right. Like look them in the eye, ask them what, ask them if it's fun, ask them what they want to do. Like just be engaged. Not, and we, you can tell the difference. Like we all know that we're like, Hey, I'm, I'm happy to be home. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like I got to go make dinner or I'm going to go barbecue or I'm going to go all by phone yeah. or someone texts me like, not the same looking thing. at something like this, like, Oh yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, oh, that's hey, get yeah, yeah. oh, you hit a home run. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They, I'm, yeah. I'm really proud of you. you know, know. It's like, whatever. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's obvious. And you know, one of my mentors had said, he's like, if you're reading a book, when your kid comes up and show you something or you're on a, you know, he was old school. He didn't have laptops and computers yeah. um, when he was coming around, but it, he's like, you close the book. You don't just hold it and talk mm-hmm. to him. He's like, close the book. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started doing that with the laptops. Like, okay, close it, slide it away. Yeah. And then they know, yeah. And turn the phone upside down and yeah. over there. Yeah. And um, cause especially being in the coaching room, it's like so much of my business is online. Yeah. So it was really easy for me to just constantly like have it right here. And it's like, no, no, no. And yep, I, yeah, yep. I still work at it now, but for sure, yeah, we're not perfect. Yeah, we're human. Um, so what do you do as a coach? So we talked about a little bit, you know, getting on the road. Like, what, what, what do you do? Why coaching? What, yeah. what, what the hell is that? <laughs> so with me, um, I said the whole reason I got in personal development was uh, to correct my own stuff because yeah. I was suicidal, deeply depressed for a long time, and I wanted to find a way out of that. I didn't believe that like happiness was only meant for this select elite few. I was like, nah, if anybody can do it, I can. And finally I came into that. And part of it came from like a rebellion thing is like, I'm going to show everybody <laughs> who said I was useless or worthless or whatever, parents, family, teachers, everybody was like, I'm going to prove all of them wrong. And luckily I had a teacher in um, my senior year who kind of believe saw the possibility in everybody. And, um, you know, I've heard it said, if you can't believe in yourself, believe in someone else's belief in you until your mm-hmm. belief shows up. Mm-hmm. And that's what uh, Coach Cotteron did for me. And uh, it took me years to realize that. But then once it set in and, and I did realize it, I said, like, man, I want, I want more of that. And I want to do that for somebody else. Like he literally saved my life and just with a few words. So that, uh, that put me on this 
drive, you know, this path of trying to find solutions and figure out like, why was I so messed up? And, you know, um, what did he do that helped, you know, and, and figuring it all out. And because I'd been told I need to be on meds for all this different stuff. And it's like, man, all he needed was 20 seconds, basically. To <laughs> and, and, um, and then a rose started growing, growing from concrete. But then once I found out I was going to be a dad, I said, man, I've got some work to do quick. Cause uh, I don't know how to be a dad. I didn't have a positive male role model growing up. And uh, so I really became absolutely obsessed, not just passion. I was fully obsessed with figuring out how to clean the skeletons of my closet. So I didn't dress my kids out of their own baggage. And then, uh, and then, like I say, that's when people started commenting and said, man, your energy is different. Your attitude is different. You're, you, you have better relationship with your kids than I've ever imagined having. You have so many people who like just want to be around you all the time. It's like your charisma, everything about you is totally different. And I see what you're doing in business. And then like, I want some of that. And so then when I started, I had to do some uh, work on myself again to believe I was worthy of that spot. And then once I started opening up to it, um, I was like, yeah, this is absolutely where it's at. Helping everyone else kind of just get that little bitty spark of possibility that something else better can happen no matter what level they're at you know on mm-hmm. the stairway to success there's um yeah helping them remove all their baggage and uh just hold them back and step forward and yeah i've worked with people that improve their business so i've been a part of helping people uh save their relationships uh, to help them save their kids kind of um and even change health stuff. I've worked with people with vertigo, epilepsy, anaphylactic allergies, PTSD, all sorts of stuff. And it's all just different labels. Like once you understand how the mind works and what's going on, it's so easy to make a huge impact in, in your results. And once I figured that out, I, it, it consumes so much of my day. You know, I get up at like 4 a.m., do my morning routine, and I study for an hour or two hours every day and half for years. Mm-hmm. Just to make sure, like, um, I, you know, I have the the best opportunity to to You're be learning what there is to learn. To my clients and my mentorship students and all that, and yes, sir. And and I teach my kids too. Man, I, I absolutely love this. Like we were talking about earlier, it's like this is this is my jam. This is where I'm my Da Vinci. I mm-hmm. found my spot, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I've seen so many great texts um, pushing dents and see them it's like man that's da vinci right there but it's like you know like shane jackson bryce kelly and all these other guys that is like metal just turns to liquid in it, or play-doh in her hands and does whatever <laughs> they want it's like dude, this stuff turns to swiss cheese around me and not just because yeah, i'm yeah. drilling holes it's like that's, <laughs> that's not my jam but yeah it's um it, it's amazing really the what human potential actually is you know, and uh, yes, I, I love being a part of even just a small part of anybody's journey in it. And um, yeah, it's so great to hear uh, hear clients and students calling back with their own customer testimonials about how great something went and mm-hmm. uh, and just being a little piece of that is fantastic. I love it. That's awesome, dude. I love that story. Hopefully that hopefully that inspires somebody to kind of understand what coaching is what what the purpose of it is and why 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 you and i do it and why my clients hire me and why we've hired other people and why we join mastermind groups and all those things right um do you have like a like a favorite tool that someone who doesn't 
has all these limiting beliefs, doesn't understand how the brain works, um, holds himself back in different ways, like as some sort of tool, like a, whether it's meditation, journaling, visualization, something that that someone who doesn't know a lot about it can start doing to, to see a difference um, in not wanting to quit or kill themselves or feel like they're not good enough or whatever, just like some starting point. Um, something really easy and simple to do. And it's, um, believe it or not, one of the most powerful things that as far as time it takes to do it and the, the results. I've literally used this to help people get over a, a true addiction in like less than a minute, even 30 seconds before. Like it's so easy and it's so easy that nobody will believe it and buy the value of it. And, you know, probably out of a hundred listeners, uh, probably two of them will actually try it out. But um, uh, basically we all process differently. There's visual auditory kinesthetic. So just kind of tap in um, and it's like, do you have an image, you know, think about what it is that's holding you back. And it's like, if you're having a challenge coming up with that, it's like, okay, just, just ask yourself, like kind of map out real quick in just a couple of sentences, you know, paragraph or two, what your ideal situation is, and then kind of read through it and just look at it, kind of think about having that. And then be like, then just ask yourself, like, what's the worst thing about getting that or what's holding you back from that? And, um, or even just try to just, visualize or feel yourself in it and see what comes up and whenever whatever it is that comes up whatever limiting belief however it shows up for some people it'll be a feeling some people will actually hear in their head you know their their high school principal telling them you know you're such a loser or whatever you know um or uh we'll just feel it or it will just see a picture or maybe a mix of all of them but figure out what it is you know is it a feeling inside or out do you hear something and do you see something It's like, then just kind of tap into that, pay attention to where it's at in your body. But um, like if, and do what we call just changing the submodality. So like, if you, if it is a picture, for instance, um, most of the people, if it's a real strong limiting belief, it's going to be right in front of them. Like, you know, with their eyes closed or eyes open, whatever, it's going to be kind of in front of them and it's going to be really big and it's going to be in color, things like that. You just reverse a lot of that. So shrink it down, make it small, get it as far away from you in your mind as you can, or even behind you to where it's actually in the past, because that's how the mind kind of represents and stores it. Um, and uh, yeah, flip it upside down, you know, scratch out the image, make it all fuzzy. Like, you know, the 13 channel TVs that were, um, I grew up with. Um, and, uh, or if it's, if it's an auditory thing, you just hear somebody talking or that's part of it. Like, change the voice to like Mickey Mouse or, you know, Donald Duck or something like that, or even turn it down. Or if it's, if it's on the left side of your head and it's moving through, then take it to the other side and make it just move away or, you know, um, or, um, or if it's kinesthetic thing where you just feel it in your body when you think of it. So you can literally like kind of reach in. I've done this with Jack Bucknell actually uh, playing around as a demo once in front of a group. It's like, actually kind of take it out or, you know, uh, or if it has a color to it, it's like change the color. If it's spinning, spin it the other way, uh, change the shape. Um, but, uh, yeah, just doing that. Cause whatever it is, whether it's a sound, whether it's a picture, whether it's a feeling, if it's really impactful and holding you back, it's going to be kind of large and intense. So you just, what would you have to do to shrink that down? You know, if, if you had a basketball 
and it won't fit where you're trying to put it. It's like, well, just inflate it. And it's the same thing. And literally I, I've had mentors actually help people get rid of things like schizophrenia by doing very similar things. Um, and that's just something simple that we can do with ourselves. There are other techniques, but they can get, if you don't know what's going on, they can get a little dangerous and actually elicit some intense trauma and things like that. But this technique is it's literally seconds, you know, not even a minute. Yeah. So and some guys really are listening, they're like, improvement. what is going on here right now? Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is okay. That's a fair question. So yeah, totally. I try really hard on my podcast to distill it down into stuff that everyone can hear. Um, because some people are like listening to that, like, what the fuck this guy's talking about? Look at some feel like what I don't know. It's been shown by people smarter than both you and I, if that's fair to say, that um, our brain has much more power than we know that it has. Oh, yeah. um, and actually, so looking in the future, um, visualization, practicing visualization over and over, like if you're going to go, um, and everybody does this probably, but if you're going to go give a speech, you're going to visualize yourself giving that speech a bunch of times. And the, the reason why you do that is so that we do go give the speech, you feel like you've already been there, Right. And we've all, we all do this when we are pushing our limits and dent repair, we get a, we get a big dent um, that we're looking at and it's booked five days out. And many, many times throughout the week, we're going to picture how we fix that dent, what tool we use. We're going to take the fender liner out. We're going to drop the headliner. We're going to remove the tail light, whatever we're going to do. We're going to fix it this way. And they're like, but what if, what if this happens? I'm going to tap this area down. Maybe I'll start with glue pulling. If that doesn't work, I'll detour to like, we're constantly visualizing what's going to happen with that day. Everybody does it. Everybody that I've talked to does this. The reason we do that is because when we get there, our brain has already felt like we got this shit. Like, this is how you start to create the belief that you're able to fix that day. Right. You're not doing this yeah. when you put a dent in the hood in your garage, but you put yourself in real world scenarios. Like I told this guy 800 bucks and I told him to make it perfect. I better fucking make it perfect. Right. So you're doing this thing. <clears throat> That's the power of what visualization does. And so what you're saying is doing this for yourself. Right. So we de- determine how you process things, whether it's visual, audio, um, tangible, whether you feel it or whatever, and then go down that road in your own head, in your own private space, go down that road and figure out what is actually holding you back. Like you said, that one comment that this teacher said to you back in the day, I've done this. And sometimes it'll, this road will lead you down to this comment because every memory you've ever had is still in your brain. We just don't see them all the time. They're there. We just don't access them because we don't think these, we don't think of these things. We're just like work, food, wife, kids, right? Or whatever it is. So, so go down that road and ask yourself the question, why? Go a little deeper. Why? Where did that come from? Like, and then, like you said, go. So that, that's the idea is to go down there. And, and then the crazy thing is, and I think you believe this too, and you've seen it happen and I've seen it happen. You can literally change the past, right? Because the past is an accumulation of thoughts, (laughs) Yeah, that is current in the future and it's current in the present time. Right. So if you can go back and change your perspective on past thoughts, that will change the way you see things today. Right. So yeah. if you can go back in there, like you said, and <laughs> that change rocks it. a lot of people's minds. But yeah, totally. what's that? That rocks a lot of people's heads. Yeah. when You tell them, you actually can't change the past. Yeah. To well, point. there is no past in a past yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah, all we have is the, yeah. all we have is the present. Right. We can all, go really the, deep down this rabbit hole. Yeah. The past is 
an accumulation of our thoughts about what happened. It's never exact because if you and I, yeah, it's all based same, off of how we feel when we think about it, how we yeah. feel about it. Yeah. yeah oh, you yeah. and I, you oh, have, yeah. everyone's seen this happen. You, you go to the same seminar, you go to the same mobile tech expo, you watch the same video and you're like, what'd you learn from that? And you say one thing, what the other guy learned from him, a different thing. You're like, we, we watched the same video, right? Yeah. So your perspective on a past situation can be wrong or be the perspective can be changed Maybe there isn't even a right and wrong, but the perspective can be changed and that can affect the way it affects you today, literally to the point of changing suicidal thoughts or schizophrenia or making it so you can walk into a dealership or feeling worthy that you can make a hundred K it could be a big thing or a small thing. Yeah. So I know we went down a weird path, but hopefully that, that little <laughs> tool is something that can help you have a different perspective on what you can accomplish in life yeah, you know the, uh, there's a what kind of joke little saying of like when's the best time to kill godzilla and it's like well when he's a little baby lizard <laughs> so it's you know think of whatever's holding you back and like say where's the visual auditory whether it's a feeling whatever it is doesn't matter yeah but it's like think about it. it's like okay you've got this big godzilla now holding you back it's like well just shrink him down to a baby and it's like then he's not scary anymore and then like you're saying with it's like just imagine what you actually want what's the outcome you want mm -hmm. and live that over and over you know and um because yeah our, our our minds our brains everything's stored in the same spot and our mind and brain both that cannot tell the difference between fantasy and reality, in reality um, yep. so it's like use that to your advantage because that's exactly what you're doing when you're freaking out about man yes. i'm scared to cut make this sales call as a dealer because i'm not good at talking about people and so well guess what yeah. number one prime directive of your unconscious mind is is uh protection and safety so if you're worrying about something it's going to keep you away from that and yeah, also yeah. it won't allow you to be a liar so whatever you tell it over and over to yourself that you want and when you're worrying you're telling yourself what you want just in a negative context and mm -hmm. uh, it's going to be like, okay, he wants to be scared to go make this sales call. Objective complete. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the way I see it, and you can tell me, we'll go down, we're going to go long. So if you guys don't want to listen, you can shut it off, but I know you want to. So we got two spots. We got our old animal brain, and then we got the prefrontal cortex that can control that, right? So a brain and a mind, that's how I like to, de to determine then the brain and the mind. The brain is like an efficiency machine, basically just completes tasks for you, whatever you tell it to do. But your mind, that's what makes humans humans is that we get to actually like think in the future and can go in the past and we can like make goals and decide we want to do things. And it doesn't mean we always do them, but we can make the, like between me and my dog, my dog doesn't, is not thinking about tomorrow. He's not thinking about where his next meal comes from. He's not thinking about his income next week or his like how he pooped yesterday in my house. And he's upset because he did that yesterday. He doesn't think those things. We do that, right? Yep. Which is an amazingly powerful tool but also can be very, very negative, right? Brain yeah, is an efficiency machine. So if you tell your brain, intention. you yeah, tell your like brain, a relationship. yeah, all the time to be scared or be fearful or do it this way or go in a routine of every day you get home, you crack, you drink six beers or whatever it is, your brain's just going to keep doing that. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Or would you change, would you add something, change something? Oh yeah. You know, there's, um, you, you touched on it earlier too, with like, um, you know, watching something or, or hearing a speech or reading a book and one person's like, well, I learned this out of it. And you're like, where'd you even see that? Like I, I, I got this out yeah. of it. Or, you know, yeah. you thought that movie was like Oscar worthy. I thought it yeah. sucked. It's yeah. like, it's our different perspectives on it. And there was a, um, this has actually happened a couple of times in the past, but um, 
with lots of celebrities and things, but there was um, uh, Carly something or other back in the eighties, but also Barbara Streisand, they both were known for having stage fright. And you know, Barbara Streisand, a lot of people say is possibly the best voice of any human that ever walked the face mm-hmm. of the earth, yeah. yet she hardly ever did any concerts. And they talked to her about why. And she said, well, I have stage fright. And they're like, how do you know? And she said, well, when I'm getting ready to go on stage or even think about it, she's like, you know, I feel the butterflies and the knots in my stomach. I get all sweaty and clammy and I get chills. And then I get really nauseated. And then all of a sudden I throw up and I know I'm too scared to go out there and I can't. And she would cancel a show or, you know, reschedule or whatever, or get drunk and go. But, um, well, then somebody was talking to Bruce Springsteen uh, after he'd been, you know, at the top of his game for like 30 years and they uh they heard that he still throws up before he goes on stage and they're like you're the boss man you've been at this rocking it for like three decades like number one artist right now look up to you it's like how do you still throw up and he's like um he's like well he said, that's how I know I love it enough. And they're like, what? And he's like, look, he said, when I think about going on on stage, my palms get sweaty. I get cold chills. I get cold sweats. Uh, my nut, my stomach gets all knotted up. I get nauseous. And then uh, he's like, then I throw up. And that's when I'm ready. He said, because if I don't love it enough to get that worked up over it, then I don't deserve to do it. And um, th- the exact same symptoms just looked at totally different. One looks at them at fear. Mm-hmm. He looks at it as excitement. <clears throat> it's, it, the our body goes through the same physiological response for a first kiss, a roller coaster ride, or when we're afraid of heights. It's like it's all that. It's the heart racing. It's all that. It's just the label we put on it. And if we realize that and really start taking control, and like you were talking about, getting intentional with it, because you know everybody's heard it's like the mind is a terrible master but a wonderful servant. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what they're talking about. If you let it run wild, it's naturally programmed to find the negative because it's looking for that saber-toothed tiger that's going to eat because us because if we cage. didn't if it didn't humans would not be here yeah exactly yeah. it's like it's designed <laughs> that way for a reason but we can step in and take control and by always thinking optimistic or positive or whatever it's like that's not going to take away like if we if we only look for the good that's not going to make us miss the saber-toothed tiger that's actually going to enter life no, you'll find but it. when we don't have a saber-toothed tiger to worry about yeah. but we're stressed about something at work all that energy of surviving from a saber-toothed tiger is yeah. going towards the thought of man i'm scared to make this sales call mm-hmm. so we're looking at the you know walking into the dealership making a cold call or walking into a body shop to land a hail gig or talking to one single customer that's literally like, life or death it's a saber-toothed tiger. yeah it's, it's life, literally or death. life or death yeah. that's a whole lot to put on that yeah. so it's like once you switch that and realize it's not and then you got to use your mind to in my opinion this is my words you have different ways to put it which i think is awesome but then you got to use your mind to tell your brain like dude I don't live in the jungle anymore. <laughs> like yeah. I'm walking into a dealer. Like I know that I'm not going to die. The worst case scenario is he says, get the fuck out of here. Right. Yeah. And that feels like death to some people. So maybe you got to work oh, on yeah. that a little bit, but, but that's, so that's the thing is like the fear. But I, it's so funny. Cause I just did my launchpad call this morning on June 15th. And I literally said this exact same thing to these guys to prep them for all this stuff. I'm going to tell them to do over the next few weeks to prep them for this. I'm like, your brain cannot tell the difference between the rustle in the bushes over there and unknown, not knowing what it is and not knowing what the dealer, what the manager is going to say. It's the same exact thing. The yeah. body thinks yeah. it's going to die. And it's like, don't go in there. And you're like, yeah, hey, I'm too scared. I can't do that. And then you don't grow your business. I said, learn to learn to switch that. When you feel that feeling, then you say, okay, this is the edge of my comfort zone. The only way I can grow is to leave my comfort zone. I have to go do this in order to grow. If you don't want to grow, fine. 
but don't say you want to grow and then don't do that shit when you get nervous because you'll never grow. That's in your comfort zone. If you never feel nervous, get sweaty pits and a sick to your stomach, you will never grow. That's the definition of not growing because nothing you ever do makes you scared. Yeah. Just like in the gym, if you're not in there working out, you, you, if you are, yeah. you're going to get sweaty. There's going to be some yeah. grunting even, you know, it's like you're pushing out of your comfort zone and to grow physically, you got to do that. And same thing here. And, yeah. um, and what's funny is once you start doing it and you look at it from that way, it actually starts becoming kind of addictive. It is. A little bit, you know? yeah. it, it start getting in a competition with yourself a little yeah. bit, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. it's, it really is. It's, it's so easy to step through that comfort zone once you start looking at it from that perspective. But up until then, yeah, you're right. It's like, we feel like we're going to die because that's the process. The, the yeah. primitive brain is running us through. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's awesome to step through it. Well, there's no failure, only feedback. Just remember that too. <laughs> every saying. I feel like we could go for a long time. I try to keep it an hour. Probably um, we a week o- straight, but yeah. yeah, we went over that, but we just think similarly. And, and I think, you know, learning this stuff at least on a base level is important um just to understand how our brain works because it controls our entire life um so any last words any like um that technique is great any any books you would recommend or somewhere like people if if you've actually finished this and you don't you think that both of us are like kind of crazy you're like i can't you guys just talk about like growing my pdr business Side note, the next several weeks that I'm doing is going to be directly a how to grow your PDR business. So you made it through this one, you're going to get some other stuff. Anyways, if you made it this far and you're like, I don't believe anything they say, right? That's limiting belief. Fine. You got to work on that. Feel free. Let me know. Well, yeah. Call us and tell <laughs> I've us I've been that. called you're a quack like, plenty of times. Oh, me too. Yeah. Um, or like yeah. woo woo or you're crazy, whatever. Like, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where should they start? Got a book? They did this visualization, visualization technique thing and, you know, maybe it didn't work. Maybe it did. You got to try it a couple of times or whatever. You got any, any, um, any books. If it didn't, uh, feel free to reach out to me. Any good or bad yes. uh, questions, feedback, whatever. Um, I'll put your info in the show notes, like email or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll, uh, let's see, I'll give a couple of good books. Um, ones I love for mindset. There's two by Timothy S. Grover. Um, one is called relentless. The other one is called winning. winning. Um, he was Michael Jordan's personal trainer and uh, also Kobe Bryant and a bunch of others. But, um, then, uh, there's one called it takes what it takes and that's Trevor Moad. Um, M O A W A D I believe is how he spells his last name. And he's, uh, he teaches a, or coaches a lot of athletes all in mindset stuff. Um, can't hurt me by David Goggins, man. Was that one was like honestly? If you listen to that, you have no excuse at the end of the day for not uh, not making whatever happen that you want in your life. Because that yeah, dude, holy freak, crap, he yeah. went through some stuff. That's mm-hmm. a different level of mindset that um, made me feel really small. Um, yeah, those are actually some of my favorites. And then uh, honestly, uh, there's the four agreements, man, that one was a huge mm-hmm. one. That's a kind of more of a spiritual book, but really helped me change uh, a lot of things about my life. There was a time where I was reading it every month um, yeah. to really kind of incorporate it. And it helped me I feel think, a whole lot of stuff and look at myself different. I think I saw the other day, 
that was like Tom Brady's favorite book or somebody famous like that. Um, the four agreements, but yeah, I have read all of those except for it takes what it takes. And now I'm going to read that one <laughs> next, but it came out not long ago. I got it about two weeks ago. I've listened yeah. to it three times. I'm halfway through winning right now um, with Grover halfway oh, yeah. through that. Um, yeah. All right, guys, that's it. That's a good, that's a good place to start. Pick up one of those, read the description, see yeah. which one you like most and yeah, whatever um, jumps out at you, yeah, whatever jumps out at you uh-huh. and go down that road. But um, they're good changes. They're, they're, they might be scary to make. Um, they might feel weird. They might, uh, you might be that, that guy trying to go to PDR training and all the other body guys are saying, don't do that shit. You might be this guy in your family. That's like, Hey, if you check this book, relentless and everybody else in your family is like, Oh, fuck that. You're like, what do you think? It's all woo woo. You think you're like a, you know, you'll get that. I got it. Oh yeah. You know, people say it. That's how you know um, you're going down the right path. You know exactly. Yeah. The more I, uh, I go against that stuff. It's like the, uh, yeah, the better things have come out on the yeah. other end. Mm-hmm. So for sure. And you know, if you're getting that, um and you're having a hard time pushing through reach out to Corey. you know reach out to me like you need a little boost you need a need somebody pat you on the back whatever uh kick in the butt you know to get you yeah. on. Like, just reach out to both. us man uh, we've been here yeah uh anyone who's done anything amazing he's been through it and um but it, it's possible again if you didn't have the desire and the want to do it, it wouldn't be for you so yeah i'm gonna end it there man I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> hopefully you but guys did too. Yeah. Hopefully somebody got some out of this again. If you think I'm a quack, think we're crazy crackheads. Hey, let us know that too. I, I'm cool uh, with that. Uh, my family's called me that before. <laughs> you know, strangers <laughs> not going to bother me much, but uh, yeah, Corey, man, it's been fantastic. Yeah, it's been you know, yeah, I love what you're doing. You. And uh, anytime, man, let's, let's do it again in any way, shape or form. Yep. We'll and figure out something to do together. Person. Yeah, sure. sure. All right, man. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of the PDR Coach Podcast. If you got any value from this podcast and want to do something for me, then the best way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast and give me a rating and review. If you want to know more about me, then you can find me on Instagram by searching for the PDR Coach or find me on my website at coachcoreyk.com, C-O-R-Y-K.com. Thank you for listening and I'll be back next week.